everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where it has been 13 years since 9-11, and frankly, I can't believe how time has flown, but the pain is still there. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. right after Charlie and right before Nahum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. I, I want to note, by the way, as we, as everyone obviously is talking about 9-11 and remembering um, what happened 13 years ago today, the names are continuing to be read as we speak down at Ground Zero at the, at the um, World Trade Center, as it will always be known. And those names will continue to be read until around 12.30, if I'm not mistaken. That's what they announced on the news this morning. It is a very humbling moment obviously, in American history. And frankly, I think that our end of the innocence, our age of innocence ended 13 years ago. It was a very, very eye-opening and tragic and awful, awful day in American history. It is a little bit, um, and I use this term loosely and I hope it's not misinterpreted, it is a little bit comforting that this day has not turned into a shopping day filled with sales and barbecues as Unfortunately, we are wont to do in the United States. It simply is the day of, of, of remembrance that it should be. And I do want to give ZK a shout out. Not only is he here in the studio, but there is a picture in the studio. There's a poster in the studio that doesn't get moved. It does not get moved. And trust me, I try to move everything here in this studio. Otherwise, there is nothing sacred. There is no picture. There is no newspaper clipping. There is no anything that doesn't get moved if I feel that it is necessary. However, our poster that ZK put up, um, and um, I'll talk to him about this in a few minutes, the poster that ZK put up of Lower Manhattan with the uh, Twin Towers be- behind the Williamsburg Bridge, which um, is really quite – it's the Brooklyn Bridge? All right, be quiet. Behind the Brooklyn Bridge is really quite unbelievable – and it is a poster that serves as our daily reminder here at the Nahum Siegel Network that um, we were all part of a very, very um, tragic, historic day here in the United States and, frankly, in the world. So while people go on with their lives, and that's what we are meant to do, we are all meant to heal and we are all meant to move on, never a day goes by here that we forget. That is that is 100% the truth. And um, as I was driving in this morning, I'd like to, quote-unquote, thank Waze for taking me through Williamsburg, Brooklyn, this morning as every bus was coming to pick up kids to take them to school at 8.30. I was really not so happy with Waze this morning. But I did remember that last year, as I was taking the BQE, listening to the replay of the audio on CBS 880 of the events that took place on 9-11 and watching and having Lower Manhattan in the foreground and approaching Manhattan over the Williamsburg Bridge and noting, gesund, and noting that um, 12 years before, obviously, again, this took place last year, 12 years before, there were two massive buildings there that are now not there. But um, the Freedom Tower is not only an incredible representation of the future of this country, but it is actually, actually a beautiful beautiful structure. We are coming to you from the home of the Nahum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. I am joined by Avrami and by ZK, and the reason <laughs> that we are tag-teaming here this morning is because 
Yes, I became a statistic last week of people who messed up the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And truth be told, and Danny was there, Danny can attest to the fact that everything was going great. I had enough ice. I had enough water. I ha- I mean, I was totally set. I even brought a second shaitel because some people bring a spare change of clothes, and I make sure to have two shaitels in the studio for days like this. Um, but the video, it seemed, did not work to the end of the challenge, and actually... The most important part of the challenge did not get videoed, hence the part where the ice bucket is dumped over me and the audio was not good enough. It wasn't clear enough to uh, to pass instead of the video. So <laughs> we enlisted everyone, all hands on deck here. Both of Rummy and ZK are in the studio. ZK is going to be doing the video down uh, on the street. Is that what you're doing? Plan. Well, yeah, that's the plan. Excellent. That is the plan. And Ellie Landau who is not only a Broadway producer, but an old friend of mine who is going to be on the show a little bit later to discuss the passing of Joan Rivers. Because Ellie is a uh, token older brother of mine, I asked him if he would uh, do me a favor and dump the ice bucket on me. And I think he's been waiting 20 years to uh, to uh, be asked that question. And so I'm sure... We are going to have a very good time doing that. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, you can find me on Facebook, send me an invite on LinkedIn, shoot me an email, miriam at nachamsegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. Not being rude, just being honest, but I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Follow us on Twitter, please, nachamsegelnet, and follow me as well, Miriam L. Wallach. National holidays, yes, it is 9-11, and as a result, it is National Day of Service and Remembrance here in the United States. It's also Patriot Day. It is Remember Freedom Day. It is Libraries Remember Day, and for some reason or another, it's also called Odd Day. By the way, this is also a National Week of Appreciation for Substitute Teachers. Frankly, it's a little disturbing that the first full week of school here in the United States, or I should say at least in the New York area, we're already appreciating substitute teachers, but hey, it is a tough job. Fortune cookie. Let's get to this quickly because I do have are both callers on. Excellent. So I'm going to do this very quickly. I do not want to keep our guests from Israel waiting, but I'm, uh, I do need to do the fortune cookie because, frankly, it's that kind of a morning. And it says, you will learn quickly, never fear. Well, there's a lot of equipment around here that scares the living daylights out of me, so I'm not so, so sure that that is correct. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And my first two guests join us from Israel. Shai Kharka is one of the best-known Israeli characterists, illustrators, and authors of comics. Among his most popular books are those in his Talmudic, Talmudic comics series, Baba. His political cartoons are featured weekly in the Israeli press, and characters he has created appear on various television networks. Boker Tov. Boker Tov. How are you? I'm fine, and you? Excellent. You know, they, everyone was worried about your English, but so far, so good, i got to tell you. I didn't do much. <laughs> well, you uh well, so far you sound great. I very much appreciate you joining me. Thank and you. I'd also like to introduce uh Jeff Singer. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm looking at the wrong email. I apologize. Jeffrey Sachs joins us. He is also the editor, the English editor, I should say, or the English translator. It's probably the best way to describe it. Of From Foe to Friend and Other Stories. This is the graphic novel that Shy and Jeffrey collaborated on. It's a new release from Toby Press. From fo- from foe to friend and other stories. Good morning, Jeffrey. Hello, Miriam. How are you? Thank you for joining me. I appreciate Thank both you. of you being. I appreciate both of you being on the line with the uh, connections from Israel. It's 
not perfectly clear, but we're definitely going to make um, the best of it. There is a... Um, I want to talk first, if you if you don't mind, shy, and and um, okay. I'll take I'll take it slow for a second with the English. If we could turn to the back of the book, the back of the book, mm-hmm. which shows the illustration, which I imagine is a self portrait of you, and I presume for this book it's shy unknown. Am I correct? Yes, of course. Okay. Right. Okay. Great. So the illustration on the back is the self portrait of Shai and Shai Agnon over his shoulder, specifically because this book is a graphic novel of three wonderful, wonderful and beloved Shai Agnon stories. Tell me why you decided to make your self-portrait like that. Um, because I think this is what I felt when I draw, when I made these stories of Shai Agnon comics, when I adapted it, I felt that he's behind my shoulder. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that he was guiding you along as you continued this process. I think I was thinking to myself, what would he say if he can see what I'm doing? Would he have been proud of your work? Would he agree of the way I interpretate what he what he was written there's a there's a major burden so to speak of taking the works of someone like Shai Agnon a Nobel laureate who is beloved by Israelis whose stories are read by Israeli children for generations and having that responsibility of not only turning it or or interpreting it I should say into into illustrations but also Jeffrey to choosing the right word in English to interpret what he said. Right, it's a kind of uh, onion that keeps getting peeled back to the source. One of the interesting things about Agnon's work, uh, which which actually you know is not generally considered children's literature, although these particular stories are are stories that are much more accessible to children, uh, but that his writing itself was a kind of midrash a kind of commentary on the whole body of rabbinic and, and biblical literature. And then what Shai Charka, the, the illustrator, has done is itself a form of midrash on the, on the midrash. And then, of course, to whatever degree, any act of translation is also a kind of interpretation. And we've added now, in, at least in the English edition of the book, a new, a new, layer, of, uh, a new layer of interpretation as well. There also, I mean, the responsibility that you have as well in, in translating or, or interpreting, so to speak, with the English language, which does not easily translate into Hebrew and vice versa, um, and choosing the right word. I think that one, the two of the words in Hebrew that I enjoy the most because of their multiple levels of, um, uh, of interpret, not interpretation, of, of translation, one of them is the word shadchan, because as everyone in America hears the word shadchan, but to know that a shadchan is also a stapler, to me, just absolutely cracks me up. It is to, it just a beautiful way that, that the Hebrew language doesn't have 17 words to say the same thing the same way we do in English. And the other word that I, that I especially over the summer, with my trips back and forth to Israel, that I really began to appreciate was the word barur. And not that we're just looking for clarity, but it's more like of a, of course, 
to from one Israeli to the next. So how do you, in terms of a very deliberate fashion, how do you find that right word? Well, I must say that the what we did was there there were existing translations of these stories uh, already, and we these are all prose stories that Agnon had written at different points in his career, um, and we took those existing translations as a basis. And it's interesting, you know, this is part of a it's a kind of a standalone volume, but it's part of a larger series that we have at Toby called the uh, the S Y Agnon Library at the Toby Press, where we're reissuing uh, Agnon's translations in English, revising them, putting out new translations, stories that have never been translated before. Uh, and this, this book, uh, which is, of course, stands alone because graphically it's so, it's so unique. The others are just straightforward uh, prose books. Um, in some ways, my work as, as editor of the volume in English was even harder than putting out a whole novel, mm. multi-hundreds of pages, because... Right. Uh, a novel you translate from Hebrew to English and you, you publish it. We know how to do that. With a graphic novel, it's very complicated, particularly because in Hebrew, the text works from right to left, and in English, of course, it works from left to right, and it's not so simple when dealing with a graphic text where the, where the story itself is told also in the, in the pictures, right. where you can't just flip everything. And there was actually, I think, as I recall, Shai, there was even one panel that had to be slightly reworked to to accommodate for the right-to-left, left-to-right switch, and then getting the text that fits in. Hebrew is a much more economical language. English is usually a good 20% longer uh, than, than Hebrew, uh, but the words still have to fit in the boxes right. without making the artist, of course, re-illustrate the whole book from scratch. So that's, uh, that was part of the challenge uh, in this book, and I think we, I think we, uh, we succeeded I had a, a team of school-age children that we used as guinea pigs in the in the work uh, to, to try to capture the right the right turns of phrase because you, you know you also want it to be understood by by the readers. Right. Although I should say it's it's not a, one of the things that I learned from you, Shai, in in working on this together is was to uh, change around my own conceptions of what a graphic novel is, what a comic book is. Um, it, it isn't just for kids anymore. Uh, it's a new, it's an old medium which has taken on, just taken on new, new meaning um, in our times. Uh, so it's a book which is, you know, obviously going to have great appeal to children, to school children, to school, to school educators. Uh, but it's not meant only for children. And and part of the balance was to create a product, uh, in part of Shai's work, of course. It's really, it's really his work. Uh, is to create, you know, a balance of something which is going to be appealing to to different ages. Which, by the way, was particularly with these stories, something that Agnon had achieved already going back to the 20s and 30s. Well, Shai, that actually brings up. I mean, Jeffrey, that's a a phenomenal um, explanation. I love the way that you use the word economical to describe the Hebrew language. It's not a word I would have chosen, but my God, is that a good description? Um, but when Shai, let, let's let's talk about a subject that is actually both sensitive, a sensitive topic for you and for me, which is when people are going to pick this up and say, wow, this is really heavy for a comic book. How are we going to educate people into saying, this is not a comic book, this is a graphic novel, it's its own genre, and actually it really needs to be appreciated as something unique? Well, for me it's not very important to call it a graphic novel and not comics, because... 
I, I always uh, approach comics as something that shouldn't be comic uh, or it, it can be it, it's a it's a kind of language which you can, you can use it to tell anything you want but uh, I think when, when we are talking about graphic novels people are uh, taking taking it more seriously so we prefer to call it graphic novel, but for me, it's not very important. Oh, it doesn't bother you as much as it bothers me. All right. Well, <laughs> I would say that as the illustrator and the author, that's good. I guess for me, as uh, the former educator, it um, I always found it offensive. When I taught Mouse by Art Spiegelman to students for a number of years, and I remember at a parent night, one parent said to me, why are you teaching comic books? And I almost fell off my chair. But I, I, I guess that as long as it's important, not as important to the artist as it is to the defender, then that's something, that's something to be said. But, Jeffrey, something that you had mentioned before also brought up uh, just uh, an, an anecdote from my house on Shabbat last week where my son was reading a comic book, and I, I do mean that in the literal sense. And um, he said to me, Mommy, come read. Can I read this out loud to you? And I said, you can read it out loud to me, but I'm not going to get it. And he said to me, why? My younger son. He said, why? And I said, because reading a comic book is not just about the words on the page, but it's interacting with the illustrations. They're part of the story also. They're not just there on the side. They're not ancillary. They're not extra. They're actually part of the dialogue. So I, I guess my question to both of you, and you'll have to decide who answers this first, is how did you make sure to have the illustrations and the language work together harmoniously so that together they told the right story? Well, that's an answer for Shai, because that's the work he had to do in the original Hebrew, and my work was to just adopt it into English. You say just like it wasn't a big part, but yes. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, in, terms of the, in terms of the effort and talent that had to go into it, his is... By far, uh, his his by far eclipses mine. So, Shai, why don't you respond to that question about the relationship okay, between the text I'll and the picture? I'll try to explain it. Um, when I when I read the stories of Agnon, I saw them in my in my imagination, and when I'm uh, telling them again in my language, in, in visual language, and with Agnon's words. I tried not to tell the same things in both languages, in, uh, in uh, letters and in uh, drawings. But sometimes when uh, Agnon is using a, a very uh, nice word or uh, when he plays with the words and I don't want to, to give away what he did there, so sometimes I, I used words even when I felt that I already draw it, but, uh, but most of the time I, I draw what I want, what I can tell with my drawings, I draw it. What I should use uh, his words to tell the story, I do it. Yes, I think there's I a wonderful was, demonstration uh, of that clear enough. in in the second story in the book, the second story in the book is called The Fable of the Goat. In Hebrew, it's a well-known story called Maseha Ez. It's, it's a beautiful the story. It's a well-known story that, that children encounter in, in elementary school. And it's a story about a young boy in, in a Polish village uh, who finds a magical cave 
and a and a delightful goat, and a, he follows the goat through the cave, and the goat leads him through this magic cave, kind of like Harry Potter's mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know magic train platform or the the wardrobe in into Narnia. Right. The magic cave is a tunnel that actually leads him to. Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel. And it's a story which is an allegory for the passage from the old world to the new, from, from Europe to the revival of, of Jewish life in Israel, from the old world to, to, to modern Judaism, to where, to where it was headed. It's a story that Agnon himself wrote very shortly after returning to Yerushalayim, after having been in Europe for an extended period of time. Agnon describes that passage through the cave in, in one, one and a half sentences. But Shai, Charka, uh, <laughs> illustrates it over one, two, it's, it's in, the, in the English edition, it, right. it runs from page 30 to 33. Um, very few words, all image, a, a kind of visual interpretation of what Agnon may have been getting at, and it shows this description of the encapsulation of the entirety of Jewish history as this young boy and his goat are passing from the old world into the new, um, and it's a kind of visual interpretation and expansion of what Agnon was doing in what Agnon was doing in prose. And it's just a fabulous kind of interpretation of the story. What Agnon would have thought of it, we can only guess. He was very... He was famous for being very, um, very uh, mischievous and never, never kind of giving away what the meanings of his stories were. People would ask him, uh, ask him, what did he mean when he wrote this or that? And he would say, oh, oh I forgot, <laughs> something like that, you know, leaving it to the reader to, uh, to interpret. Uh, well, but this is uh, just a, a brilliant uh, unpacking of the allegory that's hidden within this story. Um, in a in a visual in a visual way. If you look at the pictures, you see you, know, you see everything from from the Chag of Pesach to Akedat uh, Yitzchak, the Binding of Isaac, uh, to the Holocaust and, and and everything else. And I would add that the little boy himself, uh, the character, is drawn to, to look. When I first read the book in Hebrew, I said, "Gee, he looks he looks really familiar." And then in conversations with with Shai, I discovered he's actually modeled after. Bob Dylan, which I thought was just a brilliant, uh, right. brilliant uh, uh, visual uh, cue hidden into the book, along with dozens of others. Well, it's so a. The, uh, I, I will tell you, as a as a person who is literally holding the hard copy in her hand, it is an absolutely, absolutely beautiful book. And for parents who are listening, parents who are listening, and and um, educators who are listening, this is probably one of the most interactive experiences you can have with your child. Um, in terms of reading a story. And while I'm a huge fan of Dr. Seuss, uh, for obvious, obvious reasons, there is something so engaging in this book because you are able, as the reader, to engage on so many different levels, both visually and artistically and auditorily, to Agnon's work, that I highly recommend this new release from Toby Press. Again, it's called From Foe to Friend and Other Stories by Shai Agnon, and Shai Charka and Jeffrey, I, I can't, Jeffrey Sachs, I can't thank you both enough for bringing not only this book to the show, but also for bringing this, these stories to life. So thank you very much. I wish you continued Hatzlacha, or Hatzlacha as the case may be, Shai. And, <laughs> thank uh, you. and thank I you hope now. you'll join me again. 
I hope so. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. My Thank pleasure. You, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my next guest actually joins me, hopefully on a slighter, clearer line. Stuart, are you there? Hi. Hi, I'm here. Excellent. Stuart Gordy, are you there from Yachad? Yes. Excellent. Uh- how are you, Stuart? Good, thank God. I'm doing very well. Excellent. And, Stuart, you joined me today because I, I was um, reaching out to Ellie Hagler about Yachad Gifts. There was an email that that I received about different Rosh Hashanah gifts. Yes. Um, you know, from different price ranges to different mm-hmm. sizes, all of which um, have been put together and assembled by Yachad members and um, is part of a larger, larger activity or a larger endeavor called Yachad Gifts. So tell mm-hmm. us about that. Yes, yeah, so Yachad Gifts is a gift basket business that was established to give individuals with disabilities the opportunity, the opportunity to work in an actual business setting where they learn the job and social skill sets needed to gain competitive employment. Um, so, you know, we're a real gift basket business. We make different baskets for all occasions, holidays. Um, and, you know, the long-term goal of the business is to get everyone who comes who's both paid and volunteers to get them jobs in, you know, in, to get them competitive employment. I guess the question that some people are asking mm-hmm. is what kind of actual skills are being taught, what kind of vocational skills are being yeah. taught to Yachad members in their association with Yachad Gifts in an, and in assembling these gift baskets in the first place? Yeah, so the Yachad members who come here, they're learning um, customer service, data entry, um, counting inventory, uh, production, purchasing, um, research, sales, uh, social media. They post, they post things on our Facebook, Twitter, Twitter accounts, um, office management skills. There, you know, there's a lot, anything you could think of that's involved in, in a business. The Yachad members all learn those things here. We have a job coach who actually works. Uh, they work one-on-one with the members. So they will, you know, she'll go and she'll practice with the members all these different, you know, skills. All these different skill sets. It's Yachad, yeah. yachadgifts.com. It is dedicated to employing individuals with disabilities. Yeah. The um, you, And you were saying before that there is, obviously, there are a range of different gift, gift basics mm-hmm. and there are different occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk, and, 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 I, and I'm very, um, I'm, I'm excited to hear, I guess, not, I, I think excited is the right word, excited to hear about the vast skills but um, but how much of this has transpired to someone who was a Yachad member working at Yachad Gifts to then being able to go outside of Yachad Gifts and gain employment? Are these have you seen a success rate? So we we actually just started this a year ago, um, and we had uh, we actually had volunteers come who started uh, who started out as trainees here at Yachad Gifts, and we we actually hired two two members to work at Yachad Gifts. And you know the goal is that those those members who um, who we hired um, after getting experience working at the gift basket business, you know they can potentially get jobs in in um you know in the field of their choice. Um, so yeah, so we have um we actually have two paid members, and the goal the long term goal is that they will be able to get jobs. You know. In you know where you know wherever they want. So one you know one individual she wants to 
she wants to do like stuff with design, so she uh, you know she learns that here. She she practices designing baskets. She makes wow. she makes our baskets. She um, you know she gets her input and in, in, you know to how baskets should look. Um, so that from the inception, from the start to the finish, mm-hmm. to the shipping, to the packaging, to bringing it to the UPS store, it's all done and facilitated by Yachad members who are then taking these skills to move them out into the work, hopefully move them out into the workplace. But this exactly. is all, and this is part of a bigger goal at Yachad, which is not just to facilitate um, the integration, so to speak, if we're, if we're looking for a word or a term that is probably antiquated at this point, of Yachan members or, or people with uh, disabilities into just normal life. But now we are moving them past the whatever cursory level it is and saying, no, they can get jobs just like everyone else. Exactly. Exactly. That is the, that is the goal. That, that is the goal. What other kinds of activities or what kind of other programs afforded by Yachad do similar, um, have similar goals for Yachad members, such as Yachad Gifts? Um, what other goals? So, I mean, my, my area is really the, the Yachad Gifts aspect, but, um, I mean, I, I know Yachad has, Yachad does a lot of, like, in general, vocational training programs, so... Um, yeah, I know. I know a lot of people. They they come to Yachad Gifts, and Yachad um, Yachad actually helps them. You know, works with them on on developing their skills, and then they they try to find them a, a job after you know after they work with them, and then they you know they provide job coaches to really work with them at different uh, locations. And how did you start at Yachad? So I started Yachad, I started at Yachad about uh, three years ago. I was a job coach, and after I graduated college, Yachad had the idea like, you know, we want to start this business. We want to start a gift basket business. So you know, they said, you know, do, do you want to do you, do you want to work with do you want to work with this business? So so I put the whole so I put the program together and. Um, I put Yachad, you know, gifts together, and that, that's how I got started with it. Are there skills that are more difficult to teach a Yachad member about working, about being a, a member of the workplace? Yeah, um, definitely the, the social skills are the hardest. Um, a, a lot of them can do, like, great work, um, whatever, even if it's making baskets, but it's just sometimes the uh, their, their social skills aren't, aren't, aren't you know, they had to have trouble with that a lot, and um, you know, and even at Yachad Gifts, you know, we, we work with them on that. You know, we have we have uh, we have uh, Yachad members, and we also have staff who who are not Yachad members. So, so we you know we train them to conduct themselves in a in a in a manner that that is in a you know that that anyone would conduct themselves in a in a workforce. We're looking at the yachadgifts.com website. It's dedicated to employing individuals with disabilities. They have numerous different kinds of gift baskets. It is a gift basket company available for all occasions. And particularly looking at the, the gift baskets available for Rosh Hashanah, anything going from about $7 and $7 and up. How, um, how amenable, I, I know I can see that you have different, um, products from different companies, mm-hmm. a, a various, various, ranges etc right. how uh, how excited are they or how um 
amenable are they to working with Yachad members? Are, are they excited about being part of your endeavor? Are they aware of, that, they're, that they're part of this bigger picture? Yeah, yeah. Actually, there's a number of companies. Um, one of our biggest suppliers is actually Sudden Fruits. Um, they, actually, they actually give us all the fruit at cost, at their wow. cost, um, because they totally support Yachad. Um, you know, they're actually one of our biggest uh, our fruit suppliers. Yeah, because I'm looking at some of these baskets, Stuart, and I'm saying I can't imagine how you're making a buck off of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a, a lot, uh, they all the a lot of the companies we partner with really work with us, um, you know, to give us these that these uh, pieces at um, at really good prices. Until when can somebody order a gift basket that'll make it there for Rosh Hashanah? So it, it depends where, where it's being shipped, but on the East Coast, we could get it there. It only takes a day to ship. Uh, West Coast, like, order it at least uh, three, four days in advance. And, and, how, and how's the um, response been so far? Are people, like, inundating the website? Have you crashed? <laughs> we haven't crashed yet, but thank God every... every but you're hoping to. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping yep. to, yeah. Right. But, yeah, uh, every day we're getting, um, especially now we've been getting, uh, you know, hundreds of hits on our website every day. Um, it's funny, actually, if you go to Google and you type in Rosh Hashanah gift baskets, uh, we come up just under O Nuts, where the second one, if you put that search in on Google. So thank God it's, it's, really, it's really picking up. Yeah, that's great. That is, yeah. I, would, I would say that's a pretty, really, pretty good ranking. Yeah. A pretty yeah. good, pretty good ranking overall. Um, I had another. I had another question mm-hmm. about um, the overall kind of working with a Yachad member who then, let's say, as I'm looking at the different baskets, and so many of them have different styles. Mm-hmm. So if you have a Yachad member, or in this case, just we're treating them like everyone else, so they're an employee mm-hmm. who designs a basket that you say, you know what, I have a feeling this is not going to sell. We have to tweak it this way. We have to tweak it that way. Is there going to be a way that you're going to approach this particular employee differently in order to make sure that not only are their hopes not dashed, but they're not taken down, but because you know that the the social interaction, the social appreciation, the body language is often missed, how are you as the employer going to handle this differently? So, I mean, the the members who come here, we we really don't, you know, we we don't treat them really different than any other work member. I mean, I mean, yet yes, we we do in a sense, but we try we try conveying to them that we're not treating you different than any other work member who would come. So you know, like just in general, all, anyone who comes to volunteer at Yaha gifts or work at Yaha gifts, we treat them, you know, we treat them like they're coming to a, a, a job, a real job, which they are. This is this is a real you know workplace. So. We we talk to them, you know, like like we would ta- like we would to anyone else. But but you know, we we tried. But you know, we really, you know, we yeah, we you know, we 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 work with them. Um, but we try we try not letting them see that that we we kind of like hide mm-hmm. that you know what we're really trying to do. But you know, we we know that we're working with them. We're trying to grow them and stuff. But we they 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 don't we you know they they don't really know that. Well, then I guess you're handling it very well. Stuart Gordy from Yachad and YachadGifts.com joins us. If you are looking for, by the way, I love the fact that you have Xmas um, packages as well. <laughs> call a Kavod to you because, hey, if you're right under O Nuts, somebody could click on there, be looking at something for September 20, <laughs> for December 25th and saying, you know, yeah. I, need, I need a red and green package. Yeah, yep. and for anyone who's listening, um, they can use the code That's Life and they will get 10% off 
their next order, either type it in on the website or give us a call and just mention that code, and we'll give you 10%. Well, I appreciate that because I'm definitely yeah. going to be placing that order then at 11.05 <laughs> and taking advantage of my own coupon code. YahadGifts.com, dedicated to employing individuals with disabilities. Check out their gift packages, folks. They are actually very impressive. Stuart, thank you for joining me, and Shana Tova to you. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I, I'm so excited to have my next guest in the studio simply because... <laughs> Because he is an old friend. Ellie Landau joins me here in the studio. Ellie, I'm going to ask you, first of all, hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, we're going to keep all the horror stories about our teenage years and Shabbos lunch and whatever else to a bare minimum. I was wondering about that excitement because the, the, dir- <laughs> the dirty laundry that could finally come to light right now, right here, right now. Well, there are very few people who wish me a happy birthday as Yam on, on Facebook, but I loved it. Miriam Wallach, this is your life. <laughs> That's life. This yeah. is your life. You know what? If Steven actually ever did a that's a uh, this is my life, you'd totally be up in the top five. There's nothing Aww. to talk. I'm not. You know I'd say that even if you weren't sitting here. <laughs> so Ellie Landau is not just somebody from my childhood. Oh my gosh, I'm a hundred right now. But he is also a Tony Award winner. Did you bring it with you? Uh, <laughs> did no. you bring? Why it's, not? It's the office's Tony. It's not just my Tony. It's it's our office's Tony. Did so. you write your name on the bottom? <laughs> Ellie. I would. Ellie, have. Ellie was here in fourteen. <laughs> I would have, but nevertheless, I will I'll, say. You know what, Miriam? I'll write your name on the bottom. Okay, whatever. And don't don't think that that's past me, because you know, of course, that I would actually ask you to do that. Um, but yes, it was to, it was an award won by the entire office um, and team behind Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which was um, has received unbelievable reviews, tremendous accolades. Of Rummy's nodding because it just it, it it won everybody's heart, and who doesn't love? Did you see it, Rummy? Um, I didn't see this iteration. I saw it when it came out the first time uh-huh. some years ago. All right, all right. It's yeah. a little bit more exciting than winning Sharia, a little bit? Well, I don't know. The first year we won Sharia, the boys hadn't won, and I, I don't know how long. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think it was Nachum's first year, actually, oh. leading Boys Campus, because Larry Greenman had done it before. 1984? Or 1984? No, no. it was 82, I think. Okay. A- 81, I think, was my first year in Marasha, and we lost. In 82, it I still believe. hurts, doesn't it? I can still tell you what songs we oh sang in 81. God, of course you could. Of course I can. Yes. And um, you were one of the founding members of Bitachon, am I right? No, I was no? not one of the founding members of Bitachon. But you were a member of Bitachon. I was a member of Bitachon. Uh, Bitachon. Were, you not on the, were you not on the album cover? Well, there are three albums. In a uh, cardigan? I was not on the first one. Okay. Uh, I was on the second and the third Thank one. Thank you very much. Yes, in right. A, in a cardigan? I don't think I was in a cardigan. Oh, everyone was in a we cardigan. In, it was the 80s. They were vests, and it was the 90s. Oh, my God. Seriously. I know. You know, I turned 39 and my whole memory goes to, uh. Mir, when you say that you're, when you say that you're 100, you're making, making me 103. So, I know. like, that's not very, that's not very nice. It's crazy. You know, my brother's turning 45. I'm not macabre. Yeah, I know. I, he was making fun of me. Oh, we should do this off. Oh, the he air. just pulled, and Avrami has just yes, pulled out the. There it is, right here. There's so, Ellie. So the middle one is the one yes, I'm not on. And he, yes. Okay. No, I don't need that one. You're talking about. I'm yeah. looking at this one. Wait a minute, where's this one? Okay, That's this is West Side Smiros. Yes. Yeah, uh, oh, you're wearing a vest. In front of the Bitachon Diner. In front of the Bitachon Diner. Which is really the Metro Diner on 100th Street in Broadway. No joke. No joke. You're wearing, by the way, if you still have this vest. Somewhere. I'm embarrassed. Is that, I, I is don't it a wear prop? it. Is I, it a prop, a Broadway prop? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I could sell it to a show someday. So how many Ramaz graduates, how many former Morashaniks? Have, can say that they are part of a Tony Award-winning team. I, 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 Is your mother I listening? 
I, I don't. Sh- she knows that I'm doing this. Hi, um, Mrs. Bachhofer. There you yes. go. <laughs> hi, hi, mom. If you're listening, I don't know. She, got, I, I gave her late notice, so we'll see. She may have to listen to it in the archive. Okay, like we'll we'll splice it. We'll send her the uh, we'll send her the interview. But it ha- listen as a, as somebody who's known you for a long time, and I saw all the fos- the Facebook posts of people who have also known you for a long time, and we're so excited to watch you and see you on stage. It had to have been that huge moment. It was a very fun night. I, I got a little bit of a taste of what it's like to have your phone blow up in a, in a real way. Because literally, I was on stage for whatever it was, 45 seconds, and I had like nine people send me screenshots because apparently I was in the shot. Yes, you were. So it's apparently. An, well, yeah. I didn't know at the time. You okay. can't tell. Uh, so someone, a bunch of people sent me fa- uh, screenshots, and and suddenly it was like. And I picked up my phone, and the Facebook little balloon had like 120 messages, and I was like, "Oh, well, I guess I know. I know. I now know what this is like." And people from all walks of life. I, I don't want to speak to the entire alumni population of, of Ramaz, Ramaz <laughs> and Morasha. No, well, Ramaz, Ramaz has has I know for a fact has has many people in entertainment in all walks of life. Um, there are movie producers and and, and uh, television producers and music people all over the place. So it's very likely that there are Ramaz graduates who have won all sorts of awards, uh, far more significant than than, than mine. Um, I can't speak for Marasha. Right, that's true. I really can't speak. I should have asked Ricky Zibbett when I saw her in Gourmet Glot last oh, week. Oh, Ricky Zibbett. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's 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 tremendous and it's exciting and and um, we were obviously all proud of you. Anyone who's oh. known you was excited and proud of you. Um, but one and of the ha- and half of them have called me for tickets. <laughs> Please note, I've never called you for tickets. You have never called me for tickets. No, and I wouldn't. That's why I agreed to be on the show. Do you know why I wouldn't? Because my credit card works just fine. I can go buy tickets. We can be be friends for other reasons. Exactly. Um, But I wanted you to join me on the air today, not just obviously talk about how exciting it was for for you to be part of a group that won the Tony. I mean... I know you share it. That's very nice. You get the tea and the oni. But um, but also to talk about the passing of Joan Rivers and why that's significant and about Jews in entertainment and about why... There are she, Jews in entertainment? I heard there are five. Okay. That, and why she was so beloved. I mean, when she went into the drug-induced coma, everyone knew where they were. It was like Robin Williams, we all knew where we were when, he, when we had heard that he had passed. And to lose two major... Greats, one who was officially Jewish and one who was um, <laughs> symbolically honorarily, honorarily right honorarily Jewish um, was was really traumatic over over the entire span or to to the entertainment community and just to the world community. Everyone knows where they were. So, what was it about Joan that made a love us made us love her so much? Well, I, I you know honestly, I speak as, as as much as a fan as anybody else is. Right, because I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm no expert in Joan Rivers. It turned out, unbeknownst to me, that I, I have uh, a couple of colleagues who were very very close. Oh wow. Um, to her one colleague at an ad agency whose partner. Uh, was her assistant. Oh, wow. Um, and the, another who had been uh, an assistant for her years ago and has stayed in touch with her. So it, it's sort of, I think it's two different things. I mean, the Robin Williams thing, uh, you know, Robin Williams is an institution, and in the same way Joan Rivers was a so- sort of institution, she was just always there. Um, I don't necessarily know that everyone appreciates the history of Joan Rivers in the same way. There are a lot of people who only see her as uh, somebody from E, uh, <laughs> they know her from that, or they know her from QVC, um, right. or, th- or they know her for her for her plastic surgery, which right. she joked about herself, so it's not really you know, a problem to mention it. Um, 
But the woman was a real trailblazer in, in the history of comedy. When you look at it, you know, long term, over 50 years, what she was doing in the late 50s and early 60s, and then when she uh, sort of became a regular guest on Carson in the 60s. Not that I was around, but I, I, no. I, I know my history. Right. Thank you. I'm not that old. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that was, that was truly, truly trailblazing. And, and as someone pointed out to me in the days after she passed, not just for women comedians, but for women in general, right. putting herself out there in the public eye, being so uh, outspoken and, and free speaking in that way. So there's that, although I do think also that the people in the entertainment community, what, what has become even more clear, I was aware of this before because it would, it would crop up now and again. You know, we, have, we, 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 do, we do tickets for celebrities all the time. On shows, they they have a way of getting a hold of us to, to to book their seats. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. And and Joan was pretty well known for being sort of overly gracious, over the top gracious when she booked tickets for a show. She'd send a gift, something from her collection wow. or whatever. So so she was pretty well known for her kindness. And then when she passed, the stories of of her kindness just sort of started pouring out of people. And some of them are really, really, really quite extraordinary. People who worked for her, people who worked with her, just the, the lengths she would go. Um, it's funny because as someone who was known for being abrasive, um, in a in a comic way, but nevertheless, I think it was everyone sort of, uh, especially people who knew her from her, from the last ten years of work or twenty years of work, just thought her as a very in your face, you know, abrasive uh, comedian. And yet, as a private person, she was apparently an incredibly generous person. And, and we saw it also with the with this whole dimming of the lights thing. I don't know if you followed this. That's happened. Uh, there was a there was sort of a, an outcry a couple of days ago because the. The Trade Association for Broadway announced that they would not be dimming the lights right. on the Broadway marquees right. for Joan. Um, and there was literally, within the next 24 hours, there was this huge outcry going, what are you talking about? You Somebody know, said I, it was a Shonda. Uh, it was a Shonda for the Goyim. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, literally. Uh, so, so they changed it, and, and they, they did dim the lights in the end, and, and, and rightfully so. She was equally abrasive, though, to people, to herself. There was no one who was... Quote, unquote, there was no one who was safe, and she was safe, and she was very, very hard on herself. And obviously, people who listened to her red carpet reports, and God knows that those were either entertaining or you just wanted to duck for cover because there was nothing that she wouldn't say. But that's also part of her greatness. Well, and if you were honest with yourself, I think you'd probably say that 70% of the time she was saying what you were thinking, but you just didn't have the guts to say it. Right. Not all of us post on Facebook as we're watching the red carpet <laughs> because, uh, by the way, those those live feeds are hysterical. She had so many great one-liners also. Like I'm, I'm looking at some of them that were on the uh, – Time, time.com website. The first time I see a jogger smiling, I'll consider it. She has all these like <laughs> one-liners or, you know, um, one that they brought up on 880 last week was she said something to the effect of, my mother always used to tell me that looks don't matter. She used to tell me that a lot. All of these <laughs> one-liners or just whatever, well, you know, you know, they could have been delivered by anybody. Well, her but line you, about Israel. All of her lines. One of the reasons she loved Israel was because the flag was blue and white. It matched her legs. <laughs> I didn't know that one. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and as a friend of Israel, I mean, we have to give props to the fact that she was a huge friend of Israel. And um, in one of her last great TMZ clips <laughs> at an airport, and I don't remember which airport it was, but she blasts Selena Gomez and makes fun of her as, quote, unquote, a college graduate, when clearly she was just taking a dig at her and her um, stupidity and her comments about Israel and whatever. But... To hear Joan Rivers say they started it, I could not have laughed regarding the Palestinians. I could not have laughed harder as like that was like the best argument having Joan Rivers at 81 yell at you and say they started it. It's just hysterical. But there was nothing that was 
there was nothing that she didn't want to say that she held back. Well, and the best part about that clip is, it, 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 by all accounts, you know, they really surprised her. It wasn't like a, a planned thing where they did right. an interview. She was at the airport pushing a lug- you know, having people push right. a luggage cart. Right. And they stuck a camera in her face. And you, you sort of get the truth out of someone in those moments of spontaneity. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was great to see. I mean, obviously, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful when somebody like that has your back. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was nice for that kind of an outpouring and that kind of raw expression. We should also just mention for a second is her role as a mother. The, the relationship between her and her daughter between her and Melissa it is something that I know I'm watching the time and you got to dump the ice bucket on me I know Avrami's already giving me dirty looks the uh, so we'll, we'll that's, fin- that's the reason I came I know I know hello you were like ambivalent I'm like dude you're gonna drop the ice I bucket needed, I needed something <laughs> I know Danny can you do me a favor and make sure the ice is all ready um the 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 relationship between the two of them, as much as you might have looked at Joan or heard Joan and heard her lines and her commentary and said, wow, she's so harsh, she's so this, she's so that, <laughs> my boss just walked into the studio. He would not miss an ice bucket challenge brought to you by Ellie Landau for a second. <laughs> Did you hear our discussion about Sharia? <laughs> it's a real question of which one of you I know longer, so, oh, whether I know Nahum longer no, or Miriam longer. No, it's got to be Nahum. No, I think it's you because of, your, because of Michael. Oh, that's a good point. Shout out to Michael Eisenberg. But I was, but I was saying that in ninth, we, we, we spoke earlier. I said, uh, it was the Tony win on par with winning Sharia. <laughs> and I said, I gotta tell you, the, the year, I think it was 82, cause 81 we lost. <laughs> but in 82, it was I a know. big deal because the girls had won, I don't know how many years concur- I... in a row. And, uh, and it was a big deal. And I said, I could still tell you what we sang in 81. Of course. Of course, the bo- of course you both do. If you it both was, start uh, singing. Hine now. Yeshuasi, it was Yechad Shehu. And I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to think about the third one. Come on, Nahum, you know it. What's that? No, that was Soul Live's big solo about two years later. I am loving the fact on, that this Nahum. is happening right now. This is bet. You know what? You have both earned an ice bucket challenge. And Hanero Salalu. That's what it was. I'm going ZK. All right, ladies and gentlemen, because of what happened last week, and because I'm now a statistic of people who messed up the ice bucket challenge, we are now going to redo it. And I welcome Ellie Landau, who is going to join me downstairs oh on Grand Street. ZK is going to uh, join us downstairs, or I don't even know how this is going to work, but I'm just Somebody- yes, ZK, you're not come. You're here. I'm going downstairs. He's doing the play-by-play? He is doing the play-by-play. I'm going to make sure to scream nice and loud and long because (laughs) Taylor Swift evidently yelled for 17 seconds. I don't know that I have those pipes, but we'll do what we can, and I'm sure my kids could say that I would yell for 17 seconds. Most importantly, when is the appointment with the Shetelmacher? No joke, tomorrow, and I have a second one here. Don't you worry, (laughs) Ellie, who knows me with curly hair. By the way, I do want to mention the following. Because I donated last week to the ALS Foundation, and because it is 9-11, I am not making a donation again, even though it is the Ice Bucket Challenge, to ALS. Instead, because it is 9-11, I am donating to the Uniformed Firefighters Association, which donates directly to the Widows and Orphans Foundation, people who have lost loved ones um, from the NYPD, and actually specifically, obviously, from the NYFD, um, while they are saving our lives and giving their lives for hours. So that is where my donation is going today. Again, I call out Charlie Harari, who I know still has not done the Ice Bucket Challenge. He was supposed to join me today, but alas, he is not here. I still call out Aaron Schechter from Adorama. And finally, Stuart Varney from Fox Business. Come on, Stuart. Join me on Grand Street. All right, I'm heading downstairs. Are we ready for this? We're not doing this next week, no matter what goes wrong. (laughs) Nachum, you're on? Don't forget Simon and Dr. Joe when you're down there. Simon and Dr. Joe. You're All right. It. Here we are. Am I on? Is this on yet? I'm on. It's on. Fantastic. Um, this is the, <laughs> this is the tail end so of a excited. very interesting hour of That's Life with Miriam Al-Wallach. I've already enjoyed the yes. 
different guests in conversation today. Just a just one example of the perfect, or I should say, one example of the uh, array of guests that um, join us during a typical hour at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm glad that everybody had a chance to listen in. Um, so here we are. We're at. Uh, these are not working. I wonder why. Is there something wrong with these? Here. I don't know why this is not working. Uh, here we are with the with week number two of the Ice Bucket Challenge. You know, in the United States of America, and, and really everywhere around the world. Um, Where are you guys? Oh, can you hear us? Where is Zalman? You're there? Can you hear what's going on upstairs? I hear you. I'm on the air. I'm I on the air. You know, it's funny because I made a joke last week, CK. By the way, hello, ZK. How are we doing? Yeah, we're going to try this again. Can everybody hear me upstairs? They can hear me just fine? Excellent. I made a joke last week that this is not the craziest thing to happen on Grand Street or any other street in Manhattan, any other given day. And I promise you that people are just walking by. This is not even a thing. Frank's Bike Shop, they're not even coming out this week. Ain't nothing going on. So here, it is 9-11 in New York City. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, and I am taking the Ice Bucket Challenge Part D. I am doing a do-over, as my kids would say. Ellie Landau is making sure that the ice is well iced and the water is well watered. Can you get a shot of this? Exactly. And by the way, do you get a chance? I mean, seriously, I bought another seven-pound bag of ice. That's how seriously we're taking this. How's it going? This is not a crazy thing in New York. Not at all. See, it's just another it's day. Part of the Nachum Siegel Network version of Kaparos. <laughs> I don't have to slug a chicken now, do I? So I even have to give stucca? I gave it the office, didn't I? I am. I gave it to the Shetzelmacher. So again, I am challenging, yes, Simon and Dr. Joe. Where are they, by the way? They should have been down here this week because I called them out last week. Charlie. We're calling out Charlie Harari. Please, Charlie, enough. Dump the bucket of ice water. Ellie can help you, too. Ellie is happy to dump this on absolutely anybody. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, and ice bucket challenges. <laughs> I'm available. He is available. And, by the way, to sing to Vegas on the Yom Im Noraim. I remember there that. I'll be back in the show this Oh, week. really? Yom, Yom Kippur, I'll be back. Oh, very nice. See, Ellie, he's, he's available for all occasions. Um, and for big musical numbers on Broadway. I can't do jazz hands with ice in my hands. Sorry. That's true. All right, we got to get started because we do. And um, by the way, I should just note, please make sure to check our programming for the rest of the day. Stunt Show today is brought to you by Gorf. At, that is at 1 p.m. The live lunch starts at 11 o'clock. Ellie, yeah. just tell me, how cold is the ice water? Because it's it's looking it's looking a little bit um um um. Cold. Your shaitl may be cryogenically frozen for all time after this. Do you know what happened last week? What happened last week? I felt the ice water go through the netting and then onto my hair, my real head itself, as opposed to my fake head, yeah, my real head. I was like, my God, this really is cold. It's cold under here. So why are we doing it again? Because you messed it up? All right, it's possible that it got messed up last week. I see. Okay. Right. So, uh, by the way, shout out to Michael Eisenberg and Noam Eisenberg who are going to seriously enjoy this moment. They're going to be incredibly jealous that they didn't get to do it. Yes. All right. Well, Nahum, here we go. And I hope, yeah, you'll take that. I hope I scream loud enough and long enough for everyone's entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. All right. Ice bucket oh. challenge on Grand Street. Here we go. <laughs> she still didn't scream the way she's supposed to. Thank <laughs> you. It's over. That's it. <laughs> I leave. We're done. You still Did didn't he cut to. No, no, no. You still didn't scream oh, the way God. you were supposed to. Okay, I'm done. I'm iced. I'm cold. I'm freezing. I have a bowl on my head. I leave you today, folks, with Avram Fritz. I can't even see. I'm 
I'm so cold. He didn't write a song by that name. No, he I didn't, but he wrote a song. He wrote a song called Light, and today on 9-11 is a beautiful song to sing. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Hey!